Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. It's been a phenomenal week this week. Uh, I literally haven't rested since the trip. If ever I had a new respect for grace, it was this week. I realize I work, yet not I. But it's the grace of God. Ordinarily, we should have been highly sick. Um, and I with just the, the multiplicity of things. But God's grace has proved abundant. God's grace has really proved abundant. I really want to encourage you. You limit yourself physically by your weak perception of the grace of God. You limit yourself in terms of what you're able to do physically because you have a, a, a low estimate of what the grace of God can do within the life. Amen. So I work, Paul says, but not I. It's the grace of God. So you don't work by your own perspiration. You work by, in and through the grace of, of the Lord. So tap into grace and work according to the measure of grace that God has given to every single one of us. I want to speak today uh, in continuance on the series on grace. I want to bring an end to this particular focus in our dealing with grace we were dealing with humility is accessing grace the disposition of humility is the prerequisite for greater grace so james says that god will resist the proud but he gives grace to the humble first peter 5 5 james 4 6 but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So James, as opposed to Peter, references a greater grace. And I explained that to you some time ago. The word greater is megas, which denotes not just more, but qualitatively different. Qualitatively different. Um, Dr. Morgan, Elijah Morgan, asked a question on the Facebook album that I created for Trinidad because he saw greater grace, and I referenced something like this. He said, is there then variance in the quality of grace within God, if that is true? So my response, some of you have seen it, my response on on Facebook was to this effect. And I think it's important for me to mention so that you have clarity in your mind. In God, grace is a unified consistency. There's no variance of grace within God himself. But grace is measuredly meted out to men progressively in time based upon the disposition the man adopts. The God whose grace is consistent within himself can choose to qualitatively measure out that grace to men. So the variance in grace is true, but only from whose perspective you're looking at it from. From the perspective of men, it can be seen to be varied qualities of grace because of it's been received measuredly. But from the perspective of God, it's a consistent, unified whole. Okay? So God can measuredly um, distribute grace to, for example, the meek. So if the humble man remains humble, God says, why is that so? 
and I told you this, because humility is so akin to everything that is in God. Remember I said there's an eternal servanthood in God. When he sees that in men, he sort of unreservedly will dispense to that man the very essence of the, the pedigree, the caliber, in its most deepest sense that is true to him, will be meted out to, to that man. So Paul would then say, but to me, more abundant grace was, was, was given. Okay, more abundant. He's referencing more of, but he's also referencing qualitatively different. So the quality is only true from men's perspective. Because God will take from the vastness of the oneness that his grace is and give that progressively to men. You see, God will not just give all of himself to one that is not prepared for it. But as you demonstrate dispositions akin to him, so he is attracted to that. And he will measuredly give you more and more and more and more. Okay? So that's why James would give the proviso. But he gives a greater. Now the word greater, even in grammatical English, is the comparative of great. It's not more of, it's more substantially, qualitatively different. So you get great, greater, greatest. Right? It doesn't reference more quantitatively. It's more by quality. Right? And, and Dr. Elijah fully concurred um, with that. So I want to encourage you. I feel in the season God is really giving us qualitative grace. Right? To you it's true because the more you align, the more you align, the more you align your life to the expectation of God in His Word, the greater He will dispense Himself to you. So if you have my words, John 14, if you have my words and you do them, what did Jesus say? He says, my Father, I will love you. My Father will also love you. And He says, and we will come to you. And we will make you our abode, our monet, our mansion. We'll make you our abode. He says, I will disclose myself to you. So there's no disclosure to the one that violates God's principles. So the more you, for example, observe principles to which grace is attracted, measuredly God will disclose himself more and more to you. Okay? The disclosures to you might be incrementally, qualitatively different every time, but God in himself is a unified whole. Okay? So he showed his back's past to Moses. Couldn't show his fullness. He measuredly would display himself to a man based on the preparedness of that man to see the vastness of all that he represents. Amen. So how many of us want to know him more? Yes? <laughs> want to know him more. So Thomas David said, I will see you face to face and I will be satisfied when I awake with your likeness. Wonderful text, eh? So I want to encourage us that more grace. In the house church meetings in the week, I was so encouraged. I, 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 I surprised Westville Pinetown with a visit. They were not expecting me. I just cropped up there, and wow, I was surprised. And I'm sure from the testimonies from the other house church leaders, supply, surprised at the level of revelation that was unearthed, even over and above the text. Amen. At the notes, etc. And um, we focused on Humility attends grace. That is true. But humility is expressed and is and evidenced by obedience. That is true. Then we took obedience. Now our obedience must be complete. 
And part of what completed obedience is, is to obey to the point of death. Where you think, by my expression of obedience, I will lose everything. But you're not going to lose anything. You're going to gain all things. Right? So he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We then contextualize the whole thing by saying this. That then must be true if within the father-son dyad, the greatest potential for grace exists within a father-son relationship. If your spiritual father instructs you in the word of the Lord, you have to trust his voice so much that is an accurate representation of the voice of God, that even though he instructs, advises, gives commands, that in your mind, in your flesh, are difficult to obey, yet if you adopt the position, I will humble myself, listen to that word. Please remember this. Humility is many things. And for the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about pride versus humility. Humility, the, the bedrock, the quintessence of humility is the man who fears God's word. Please, get that into your mind. Isaiah 66, remember? I dwell in the highest of the heavens. God says, the highest of the heavens cannot contain me, but to this man will I look. Which man recruits the eye of the Lord? It says, the man who is contrite and humble in heart and who trembles at my word. So humility has got to be contextualized in, will I say, Lord, yes, your word, and yes, my opinion on the matter. I fear your word so much, that word is expressed in and through my spiritual father. I fear you and your word so much, I will divest myself of my opinion, and I would rather say yes to your word, even if that word's going to cause me to obey you, or requires me to obey you, to the point of my death, where I, like Esther, if I go to the king, I perish, but perish, let it be so, so long as I'm obedient to your, the word of God expressed in and through the mouth of Mordecai, my spiritual father. To Ruth, yes, I will go and lay at Boaz's feet, even though the act potentially could lead to my death. But you, Naomi, my spiritual father, is leading me there, so I humble myself and obey to the point of, of, of death. Okay? And there were many other examples. We looked at Joseph and David serving food to their brothers. Not so. Jacob sent Joseph to the brothers at Shechem, remember? To minister uh, to their welfare. Brothers that hated him. You know, Mark, it's not just that Mark brought something that's so powerful in the group. Mark said, he went, obeyed his father's voice, and he went to Shechem. To minister bread to his father's voice. If you read the text carefully, the Bible says, when Joseph came to Shechem, the brothers were not there. Because they went further on to Dotham. And when he said that, I remember teaching this in Sunday school. In Bethel Church, to little children. The movement from Shechem to Dotham. So for me, it meant much. Right? And so the principle was, if Joseph came to Shechem and did not find the brothers, he could have said, well, clinically... Legally, I've obeyed my father's voice and the brothers aren't here. I have every right to go back because I've, I've obeyed to a point. But he went beyond the law of his father's command and he entered the spirit of the command. 
the spirit of the command is go find your brothers and minister to them. They are at Shechem. When it comes to Shechem, they're not there. So I want to encourage you, go beyond the law of the command or the instruction of a father and enter the spirit of it. Okay? The urgency of it. Right? The, 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 the point wasn't go to Shechem. The point was go to your brothers at Shechem. So if you come to Shechem and you don't find him, then find him. Go further. You know what Paul said to, was it Philemon? The book of Philemon when he wrote Philemon? Remember Philemon had to accept Onesimus back. Onesimus was a slave that ran away from him. And Paul was trying to reconcile the two. So Paul urges this master, his son in the Lord too, Philemon, please accept Onesimus back. I know once he was unprofitable, he was an unproductive service, servant, but now he's changed. Please take him back. You know what Paul said to him? Paul says, I know you Philemon, you will not only do what I say, but you will even do more than this. You go beyond the written, the written text of my instruction. And you're going to treat this man, I know you. You'll go way beyond my expectation of you in this. So tell you never go beyond the expectation. Amen. I want to encourage us all to now start getting proud of this local house. Well, me not use the word pride because you, know, uh, you must feel good about the house. Proud in a good sense, but not arrogance. I'm not talking arrogance. If you have something good, you broadcast it. If you have something by which you think will benefit the community, you will sound it out. Not so? You will echo it. So, you know, Pastor Thamo said this to me uh, about two or three years ago when he said, the season is going visible and, and viral. He said, prior, we never advertised. We allowed the Lord to lead. But he said, he's changed policy and that whole issue. He said, if ever we have something legitimate that the world needs to know about, it is now time to go viral and visible, even in the way we advertise. And you see my thrust on social media. You see how vociferous I am. Why do I do it? Am I being ambitious? I had to check my heart about these things. And God said, no, you're not being ambitious. You're fulfilling mandates. Don't apologize and, and think kindly that you're being ambitious. No, you're not being ambitious. You have something to share. You have something that the world should know about. So let them know. You know what Romans 10 says? How will they know except a preacher be sent? The question begs, how will people become aware? So again, I want to encourage you to be vociferous in sharing our church media or church-related stuff on your social media, events, programs, our regular services. Advertise it. Amen? Go all out. Not in the letter of my instruction, but this must grip your spirit. Enter the spirit of it. Amen? And go even way beyond. Do more than I ask. You know, breakthrough is in little things. Breakthrough is in, not in the big instructions. Breakthrough is in in little things. Amen. So I want to encourage you, let's be absolutely uh, vociferous um, about this. Okay, let's start. I haven't started yet. <laughs> okay, that was all introduction. Amen. Are you happy? Everyone good? Everyone good? Amen. You're good. Amen. So I, I track past the Thamos page daily, weekly, three or four times ago. I say, what's happening on my father's page? If I see something there, I share it immediately, like it, whatever. Why? His, his passion is my priority. That's why I said his passion is my priority. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2, quickly. 
What I want to talk about now, in the last segment, we said a father must walk with a son. Not so? Everyone say they walk together. Remember Amos 3.3, can two walk together unless they be agreed. Isaac walked together with Abraham up the mount. It says father and son, and they walked on together. Not so? They walked on together. Elijah walked with Elisha. Right? When he, he said, follow me. The Bible says, and they went on together. Ruth, what did she do? She clung to Naomi. And they walked back from Moab to Bethlehem in, in Judah. I want to speak more to this facet now. The whole idea of walking together with your spiritual father. Amen? You see, the spiritual father's son died like I said, must move beyond the romanticism associated with the relationship and now must become purposeful. Right? Do we love each other? Yes? Come on, talk to me. You love me, yeah? If you don't love me, pray for you quickly so you can love me. Amen? I love you. I really do. Renee and I love you. Right? We, we are one team. We father you as a unit. The two shall become one flesh. Now, Ruth 4.15, it says, Your daughter, the people say to Naomi concerning Ruth, how, did, how do they describe Ruth? They say, Your daughter-in-law, who loves you? So the, the son must reciprocate in love to the father. Your daughter-in-law, who loves you, is better than seven sons. But there wasn't just love and intimacy between Ruth and Naomi. That love and intimacy produced something in the earth that changed the course of human history. And Obed was produced, who became the father of Jesse, who became the father of David, who will produce the line of Jesus Christ. Not so? I'm asking the question now, if we have fathers and sons, should not this relationship produce something in the earth that will facilitate the purposes of God significantly? Amen? I want you now to start tweaking your mind. This is for all our visitors as well. We welcome you into the family. And we're saying we will love you, we will care for you, we will nurture you, we will grow you up into the ways of Christ. But at the back of your mind, bear this in mind. This relationship is not simply romantic. It's not just love, honor. We have to do something significantly in the earth. Now often your father has that mandate. And sons come around to amplify, to support, and to facilitate the mandate that the Father has in Christ. For many of you, this would be your death. This would be your death to give up your own ambition and to say, I will fulfill the ambition vested within my spiritual father. Okay? Elisha had to burn the oxen. Had to build a noble employee he thought he was called to and serve the interests vested within Elijah. Not so? When Paul called Timothy, do you know Paul initiated the father-son relationship with Timothy? Not Timothy. The Bible says he went to Derb, Lystra, Acts 16. It says, and there there was a disciple named Timothy who was extremely well spoken of by the brethren. Timothy had an impeccable testimony amongst the churches. It says that when Paul saw him, Paul said to him, come with me. Like Elijah said to Elijah, burn the oxen and come, follow me. Like Jesus said to the twelve, leave your fishing nets and come follow 
me. Give up your ambition. Give up your preoccupation. Give up what you think you are called to do because there's something higher. Come up here. We have a purpose to fulfill in the earth. Yes. I'm saying that as strongly as I am. I'm saying this to all of us, brethren. If, you, if it hasn't been unveiled to you as yet, do you, can't you not see that there is purpose attendant with us? Not just locally, but, but globally. I'm going to believe we're going to get our building soon. Amen? Yeah, God. You know, Lucy said that's going to happen with speed. Ask your neighbor, can you hear the rain? I can't get that statement out of my mind. I made two posters. You'll see it up. I shared it on the church WhatsApp group and on, on Facebook. Okay? By the way, for our visitors, if you want to be part of our church WhatsApp group, just let me know. We'll add you on. You can leave whenever you want to. Okay? This is not like the Hotel California where you check in and you can't check out. <laughs> you know? If you want to just be privy to what is the sense of communication amongst the group in the week, just, be, just, just let us know. Amen? And so um, um, I, I, I wrote that. Uh, so let me find a picture of rain. And I called it up and I put there, can you hear the sound of an abundance of rain? But I like the way Lucy says it. Can't you hear the rain? That's how she says it. Can't you hear the rain? Amen? So the point is, it's raining, but can't you hear it? It's raining, but are you aware of it? God says, behold, I will do a new thing in the book of Isaiah, but will you be aware of it? God is saying, with or without your awareness, this thing is running rampant. God is simply offering us an opportunity to be part of it. Amen? Simply to be part of it. So I want to encourage all of you. Let's jump on board. Amen? Ask your neighbor, are you in or out? <laughs> I'm inviting everyone. And let me just say this prophetically to us. Listen carefully. There is such blessing attendant with this for everyone concerned. I think like this. What if, for example, we double next week in numbers? What if? Just the possibility. Just the, the sheer possibility. What if there was one like you next to you? Well, there will be more. There will be double the numbers here like in this service today. It's not numbers per se that we're after. What God spoke to me, He's going to produce. This is the word God gave me. He's going to produce a representation of a body in Durban that He can point people to. But it's going to take a lot of humility, a lot of obedience, a lot of dying unto, dying unto self. Be the Philip that brings the Andrew. Remember I said this? Or the Philip that brings the Nathaniel. Bring the Andrew that brings the Peter. Right? How will they hear unless someone lets them know? You know I, how I got to associate with Pastor Thamo? Someone left a pamphlet on the desk of our staff room when I was teaching. How that got there? Today when I think about it, I thank God who, whoever left that pamphlet there. I didn't even know how it got there. At a secondary school, someone leaves this pamphlet in our church staff room next to the urn. Apostolic School of Ministry. I remember the details very clearly. If you want a biblical basis, that's what the, the heading, biblical basis for understanding the present season, school in Peter Marisburg, Albert Falls, the one that Albert, they hadn't secured Albert Falls by then, was in the Trizen Towers Hotel, Speaker Thamo Naidu. I don't even know who Thamo Naidu was. I just saw the heading. I said, wow. It was talk back then, apostolic, reformation. And the, the, it appealed to me, a biblical basis. To understand this, I'm there. If someone can show me from the Bible that what that the season is true, I'm definitely going. And that was the change of my life. You never know. Someone just needs an advert to change their life. 
You never know you could be the interface to hook someone in. That life could change for forever. Amen. So don't underestimate the little that you do. Okay, I can't get to the message today. Let's get to the message. Okay. You therefore, this is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace. Okay, we're speaking about the grace of God. Everyone say, be strong in the grace. A father is speaking to a son. He says, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, notice, Paul encourages a son to be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. Grace, I said to you, filters down through a father to a son. It's not the grace of the father, it's the grace of God vested in and through him, in which you must be strong. You don't be strong in my grace. In fact, I'm totally against the use of the terms my grace, your grace. Yes, Philippians 1.7 says, Paul says, you have become partakers of grace with me. That's the NASB. The King James says, you've become partakers of my grace. Yes, Paul did say my grace. But every other text version says of the grace of God with me. So Paul didn't own the grace of God. It wasn't... Um, his, his personal asset. Because in Ephesians 2, 3, 2, he references, you have heard of the stewardship of the grace of God given to me. In other words, he's not the owner, he's the steward of the grace of God given to him. That grace was imparted to his son, Timothy. Yea, exhorts Timothy, Timothy, I want you to be strong in the grace of God, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, transmitted to you through me. Right? And then he gives this instruction, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Then he says, entrust these to faithful men. Uh, what I want to focus on is, you see the things that you have heard. Everyone say things you have heard. The way to be strong in the grace of Christ is to, to focus on the things that you have heard. Now, when you hear a message, you cannot only hear it once. You have to hear it repeatedly, three or four times. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Not so. The second hearing produces the faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Some of us need to hear and hear and hear and hear before the requisite faith is produced to, to produce obedience. There's a proverb which says, the Lord God has spoken once, but twice I have heard it. He speaks once, but I've heard it twice. That is, he speaks singularly one time, but through the meditative process of rehearsing the word over and over in the mind, we hear the word again and again and again. It's like the Lord speaks and echoes. The echo effect must always be true in your hearing of the word. You hear it once like on a Sunday morning. 
but you must rehearse it over and over in your mind. In other words, if you're going to maximize grace, reception. Huh? I'm taking my time with this because I could mention and go on, but some of us are not maximizing grace because the only engagement that you have with the voice of God vested in and through me is once on a Sunday morning. Right? Now, for example... I think everyone should be listening to CDs regularly. We have a number of CDs in which our messages are recorded. Every single message is also accessible freely through our website. It's important for you to hear a thing and to hear it again and again and again. If ever you feel like this, wow, I'm in part of, a, part of such a grace-rich church, why then am I grace-deficient? Maybe you're not hearing properly. Or maybe you're not hearing enough. Right? I listen to Pastor Thamo almost every single day. Maybe one or two days I will miss. But daily, let that voice resound in my hearing. Why? I want to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that's the way it comes to me. Okay? Is through the hearing of the voice of the Lord. Okay, in First Timothy, sorry, Second Timothy, chapter three and verse ten, Paul says this. Watch, you have followed my teaching. This is, please remember, who is Timothy? Amongst all of Paul's other sons, who is this? Who is this one? This one is the one of whom Paul said, "I have no one like him." He says, Paul, Timothy, and I uses. He never ever used this term in reference to any other individual in his sphere. In, in the book of Philippians, he says, He is equally sold to me. S-O-U-L-E-D. Talking about the soul, he says, Timothy got a soul, I got a soul. We are so one, we're like we've got a singular soul. And what do you do with your soul? You've you, you got a mind, a will, and emotions. You think. With the emotions you feel, and with your mind you make decisions. What Paul was really saying, this son feels like me, thinks like me, and makes decisions as I would make decisions. Mm -hmm. He says, I have no one like him, and he also said in Philippians, he will naturally care for your state. But not so with others. Everybody else, he says, seeks their own ambition. But not so with Timothy, he will naturally care for your state. Now, that is the caliber of sonship we want to produce. Right? You see, you're walking so close with your spiritual father, you become equally sold to him. Remember the two that walk on the road to Damascus, or, or, or Emmaus? It says, two men had one heart. What did they say? Did not our heart burn as he spoke the word? They did not say, did not our hearts. That's grammatically correct. They said, did not our, plural, heart, singular, did not our heart burn? So two men had one heart walking on the road. So tell you that we become one heart with your spiritual father. One heart. I'm telling you, brethren, you know why? I would never minister like this to any other congregation. But yeah, there's special purpose attendant. Right? If we're going to walk together, and when Paul recruited Timothy into sonship, come follow me, come with me. And here you get a fleeting indication, listen carefully, of the degree to which Timothy 
adopted in his pursuit of Paul. What was the requirement for Elisha to receive double portion? Come on, you did the study on Tuesday. If you see me as I am, taken up, whatever I have, Elisha, my son, you will receive twice the amount. So if Elisha, if Elijah has grace, Elijah is going to receive twice the grace. If the proviso, the only requirement is, if you can keep me in your view, keep me in the... Now, you know, please don't follow me and stalk me wherever I go. That's not <laughs> what it means. It means simply, how do I father you? I father you by the word. The, 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 the preeminent thing is, if you can always keep my teachings, if you can always keep my principles from the word of Christ in as forefrontal in your mind, keep that in view. The principle is, whatever I have, you can have. Right? So to Timothy, he said, watch. Please note the words and not just read it as though you're reading English. Read it in the spirit. Paul is saying to him, you have followed my teaching. Not just that, my lifestyle. You have followed my conduct. And what does he mention next? Timothy, you understood very well the purpose attendant with the relationship. But you came into my purpose. You followed my purpose. Everyone say my purpose. This is what he says. You, watch, let me come to you in case you haven't seen it. You followed my purpose. Right? What he's saying to Timothy, you, Timothy, you are so humble, you became obedient unto death to the degree where you, you realize, yes, vested in this relationship a significant purpose. I'm going to support it, facilitate it, do everything in my power to foster it. And Paul commends him for that. You're not, you, but you, let me just say this. You will never get to purpose unless you follow the teaching. Yeah. If you understand the teaching, the teaching will disclose to you what we're about. Amen? You followed my teaching. Also my conduct. What Paul was saying is, my conduct was no different to what my teaching was. My life was my message. And Timothy, you studied me. And you came into purpose. You even saw how I expressed faith for different things. You witnessed my patience with people. Right? <laughs> Have you? <laughs> You've seen how patient I am with some people? Right? Some long suffering. <laughs> Maybe long suffering. Right? You've seen how patient we are in dealing with people. You've seen our love. You've seen our perseverance. When we could have given up, but we still stuck in. Next verse quickly. Right? Our persecutions, our sufferings, such as happened to me, watch what he says, at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Timothy, you know my credentials. You didn't only follow me at Antioch. At Iconium, even at Lystra, that's a threefold city. What Paul was saying to Timothy is, you followed me everywhere. And you observed. What he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, if anyone does not need convincing as to what I'm about, it's you. Now ask your neighbor, do you still need more convincing about us? <laughs> okay, come on, talk to the person next to you. Yeah. Who still needs to be persuaded that what we are is about the will of the Lord? We, want, we are about the purposes of the Lord. Amen? Yeah. And what I'm appealing to us, brethren, I'm, I'm saying this seriously. Just up your game 
and say, I need to follow teaching more closely. I need to follow conduct more closely. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I need to come into purpose because the relationship is not an end in and of itself. It's not introspective, inward looking. It's not just gooey, gooey, gooey. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yes, that is in place. But that thing must accomplish something in the earth. If the relationship doesn't accomplish something, it is, it's meaningless. So it's, it's a social club. <laughs> Come every, together every Sunday. How's it? How are you? You well? Fine. Bye-bye. See you next week. You know? But the relationship must accomplish. I will talk more to this later in the weeks. I'm just giving you an, a hint of, of, where, of where we are. Remember what Ruth said to Naomi. Where you go, I will go. What does Paul say to Timothy? You have followed me. You tracked me. Every city mentions three there. You even noted my, the level of my trial and my persecution. But you also witnessed how out of them all the Lord delivered me. I have a legacy with you, Timothy. I have a testimony, testimony with you. Right? Nobody needs convincing. Not you, Timothy. You followed. Now the things that you have heard from me, you take on the mantle and you impart them to faithful men which shall be able to teach others also. What was Paul's mind? He was thinking transgenerationally. The future generations, this what we had. What was Paul saying? Timothy, what we had must never ever be lost. This is going to go from generation to generation to generation to generation. Might I say to this generation too. Amen. Ruth said to Naomi, where you go, I will go. That simply means, she's saying to her, I will track you. I will observe your growth in God. I will observe your spiritual migration. I will observe your passion. I will watch carefully. And you're not serving a man when you do this. People think we are deifying when we are not. You're serving God. Let me just be clear. God is your Father. He deserves supreme place within the life. But to lead men... He puts men as fathers in the lives of other men as a standard by which they can work, they can follow. Everyone needs a standard. Everyone needs a practical example. Right? Did Isaac walk with Abraham up the mountain to be sacrificed? Yes, he did. Not so? Let me ask the question. You dealt with this in the house church. Was Isaac obedient? Yes or no? But do you know Isaac's obedience, I believe, was cajoled, was... There was impetus and determination to the degree to which Isaac was obedient simply because he saw an obedient father. He saw this father, he's prepared to go full strength. Right? He had a standard. Everyone needs a standard. Everyone needs a point of reference. Yeah? Paul said to the whole church, imitate me. Let me become your standard. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Christ is the standard. Please make no mistake about that. Christ is our standard. But he uses men as pointers to encourage men. Okay? Christ is the standard. Now, the word, this is 2 Kings uh, 2, verse 9 and 10. The word that is used when Elijah said to Elisha, if you see me as I am taken up, you can have uh, twice that I have. Now when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, 
please let double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Everyone say a hard thing. I want to emphasize that. Let me just say this. If you're not going to be determined, this is not a road for, the, for everybody. What I've realized in my walk with Christ up to this point, not everybody will be a Timothy. There will be other sons. But there may be, be a few Timothys. But I would like everybody to be a Timothy. But it's a hard thing. It's going to cost you. It's going to demand from you absolute humility. You asked a hard thing, Elijah said. Right? But the proviso is, if you see me, come on, say, if you see me. Elijah says, if you see me, when? When must you see me? As I am taken up. So watch, listen carefully. The way I, the word is ra'a. The Hebrew is ra'a for see. And ra'a means this, to look at, to inspect, to perceive, to consider, to regard, to observe, to give attention to, to see, to regard, to observe, to consider, to give attention to. For them it was literal. If I am taken up into the heavens and you witness that everything that is mine is yours, double. But in our contemporary day, to apply this to our modern world, if you see your spiritual father as he ascends, watch, as he is taken up. Now don't worry, I'll be here for a long time. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but I'm going somewhere in the spirit. So my movements, roots said to Naomi, where you go, I will go. For it was physical movement from Moab to Bethlehem. I'm saying to you, spiritually, track your father's movements. Note points of ascendancy he makes. I think this year there's been a huge jump in ascendancy by the grace of God. So have you seen it? If you can witness the ascent, the grace attendant with that ascent could be yours. Right? The grace attendant with that ascent can be yours. Let me go to a quick um, cross-reference verse. 1 Corinthians 4.7. Paul said something similar to Timothy. What did Paul say to Timothy? 1 Corinthians 4.7. It says, um, no, that's the wrong text. 1 Corinthians 4.17. Try 17. Yeah. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and my faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of what? Come on, work with me here, guys. He will, what would Timothy remind the whole of Corinth about? He's rising to Corinthians. Paul says, I can't come. I'm going to send this guy in my place. When he comes to you, this is my son Timothy. He will demonstrate to you what? My ways which are in Christ. Just as I teach in every city I go. This man, Timothy, in, all, in every city I go to, I can't come to you right now. I will send him to you when he stands among you. Watch. He will not only demonstrate to you doctrine, principles. He's going to demonstrate to you my hodos. The Greek word ways is hodos. He will demonstrate to you my hodos and lest you think that Timothy is worshipping Paul. 
Paul quickly qualifies. It's not my ways. It says, my ways which are in Christ. In other words, Timothy got no mandate to speak of Paul's ways outside of Christ. It's only things in Paul that are true of Christ. What is the ultimate? Everyone say Christ. What is the ultimate? Come on, say it again, Christ. What we want to see is Christ portrayed, but Christ is portrayed in and through human vessels. But the good thing that I like about Timothy is he could do that. He was adept at this. He could do this, no problem. Paul, I can go to a whole city. Corinth, you're sending me. I can't teach your ways if I haven't studied your ways. I can't teach your ways if I haven't followed your ways. I can't teach your ways if I haven't tracked your ways. So if I, and please, brethren, note this today, for many of you will be a red letter day. Your engagement with the word fleetingly must come to an end. You can't casually pick up the scriptures every now and then as you feel it necessary. From today onwards, I want to encourage all of you. Follow, pursue with all your heart. The main thing, everyone say the main thing. The main thing would be the doctrine. Listen to the teachings. Over, get it into your spirit. Once doctrine and principles are in your spirit, you can come into purpose. Timothy, you followed my teaching and you followed my purpose. There's great purpose attendant with this relationship, right? Do you think there was great purpose attendant with Paul and Timothy's relationship? Yes. Elijah, Elisha? Yes. Moses and Joshua? Most certainly, right? And uh, you, can, you can track all the father-son examples throughout the scripture. It wasn't just the love, it was purpose. I want to say this to all of us. Listen carefully. Some of you are thinking, Randolph, what purpose on earth are you talking about? <laughs> I can't see my contribution in this. What role do I have to play in the grand scheme of things? Yeah? Your first priority would be obedience. Just obey everything we teach in terms of doctrine, the principles of Christ. Be molded into the image of Christ. Become the, become the representation of uh, your, 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 your transparency, your sincerity, your purity, your levels of compliance. Focus on that. And then from that perspective, from that vantage point, God's going to, by His grace, lead us into your facilitation of purpose. The other thing is facilitation. Everyone say facilitation. Paul, or rather Elijah, I'm trying to find the text in my notes, let me just look at, at David for a short while. Go to 2 Samuel. I'll come back to the 2 Samuel 5, verse 1 and 3. Okay, we've got 10 minutes. 2 Samuel 5, verse 1 to 3. Do you remember David was on the run from who? King Saul, right? For a long period of time. He eventually came to Hebron, where he lived for seven and a half years. The men of Judah, that tribe from which he came, he was from the tribe of Judah, were the first to regard him as the next king. He ruled there for seven and a half years. After the death of King Saul, or rather, after, after the seven and a half years, the rest of the tribes of Israel came to pledge loyalty to him. And he moved then to Zion, where he would rule for 33 years. David's reign was 40 and a half years as king. Seven and a half verse in Hebron, and the next 33 in 
in Zion. Okay? Now, when he was at Hebron, and towards the end of his reign, the tribes come to him, not just Judah. The text says, all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron, and they said to him, Behold, we are your bone and we are your flesh. Who said this, by the way? Where you read this in the scripture? Did not Adam say this to Eve when he woke up from a deep sleep? And he said, bone of my bone. So what were these men saying? David is a spiritual father. Yeah, are men, watch. Men coming around him saying, we, we not only love you, we can see you are graced. You have a record. We can see the anointing. You're going to be the next king. Right? But they're saying in their heart, there's great purpose attached to your kingship. So, we are bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. Even if you wanted to, David, you can't separate us from you. Because when Adam said that to Eve, he was referencing oneness. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Now, I want to encourage us all, you have to come to this place. I can't think of life outside of a spiritual father. My spiritual father was put in my life to lead me into the fullness of Christ. To, he was put in my life so that together we can accomplish significant purpose. What I'm prophesying over this house is, I want everyone to take Renee and I by the hand and say, we are bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. Where you go, we go. Amen. Your God, my God. Amen. And it's not a journey because you love, love, love. Yes, you love, love, love. Like, but I said, you realize, hey, we got something big to do here in Durban. Something big to do globally. Mark my words, some of you are going to travel. And some of you are going to stand in conferences before global audiences. I will not be able to go, but I must have the confidence to say to people, I can't come, Corinthians, but there is a Timothy in my midst. I have one. I will send him on my behalf. And when he comes, he will track, he will teach you all of my ways which are in Christ. As even as I teach in every city, so Timothy will do the same. Right? Come on, tell you that we become a Timothy. Become an Elisha. If you are army, if you see my ascent, if you observe the, the incremental watch ascent of your spiritual father, don't just arrive. Listen carefully. Abram is Abram. But his name has changed to Abraham. Some people only met him when he was Abraham. But Lot knew him when he was Abram. Lot disconnected from Abram, not from Abraham. When Abram was Abram, Lot said, bye-bye. I'm belaguering, I'm going. Right? He disconnected, watch, at a critical point. The moment the disconnection, Abram then goes to the next, oops, I couldn't jump here, okay? Goes to the next level, right? I'm sounding out a warning to this house. Don't disconnect at the point at which there's great trust and elevation. The requirement to Elisha was, you want what Elisha got. Elijah said, if you only see my ascent, don't just witness and come into the new place. Watch how I got there. If you see the pathway, Timothy, my son, knows all my pathways in the, in the spirit. So they say to David, watch. And I like the next verse, watch. Previously, please watch this. There's a powerful truth here. They say to him, Previously, when Saul was king, you were the one who led Israel out 
and in. Remember, David led all the battles, even while Saul ruled. They said, and the Lord said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel, and you will be a ruler over my people. What were they referencing? You know, for someone to say this to David, oh, by the way, David, all the while Saul was king, you were actually the one leading. Even while he was, he, he, he had the official position, but you were the one doing the work, leading us out. What does that tell you? Were they tracking him? Were they observing him? Where was David in their view? Right? I'm saying, see more than meets your eye. Some of you are not seeing. You need to see further. You need to open your eyes to see what exactly is God doing here in the midst of us with our gathering. Right? And they say to David, we've been tracking you, David. This commitment, now, bone of my bone, flesh of my life. We didn't think about this last night. We didn't wake up and we arrived at this. We've been tracking you for years. We've been watching you. Now we've come to this position. We are bone of your bone. Flesh of your flesh. Tracking you for years. Now watch what happens. First, Corinthians, First Chronicles 11 verse 10. First Chronicles 11 verse 10. The Bible records an account of the men who came to David. Some of the mighty men in the previous chapter. And even while he was still at Ziglag. Remember Ziglag? Even while there, this text says, Now these are the heads of the mighty men whom David had. Come on, tell your neighbor you are a mighty man. I need some mighty men. Come on. You know, I looked at all the young people. Some of the young men were at our house on Sunday after church. All the young people were there because of Luke's party. And at a point, I think we took a picture of them, eh? At a point, they were all lined up. We were singing for Luke. We've got some men here. Although they're 17, 18, they all lined up together, you know, with the, you know how men stand, chest out, shoulders squared back. I thought, what a powerful representation. They look so stately. But I saw beyond the physicality. I saw what a representation in that. All you young men are mighty. But even you ladies too, mighty women. I won't say you mighty men. Okay. You know, I, I thank God for all of you. When I consider that God has given us the caliber of sons he has, it's a truly humbling experience. You are some of the most precious resource on the planet. You really are. Yeah. You know, and it's humbling for us to think that God, when I think and I consider some of the levels of your obedience, expressions of your honor, I can only stand back and say, wow, God, there has to be something afoot here that more than meets the eye. I, I can't just enjoy this honor and let it be selfish. I've got to reciprocate to sons. We've got to let this relationship grow and accomplish something significant in the earth. Please hear my voice prophetically. If you're not hearing me, oh, now's the time to hear me, brethren. God is looking over the city of Durban and he's looking for a house. He's saying, can I? Vest in and through this community, significant purposes for the city. My hand is up to, yes, Lord, use us. I want the privilege of facilitating your purposes in the earth. Now watch these men after studying David, and they rallied around him. You know what the Bible says? They gave him, everyone says, strong support. Come on, say strong support. Strong. Right? Not just support. They gave him strong support. It says, together with all Israel to make him king according to what? Come on, according to the word of the Lord. What did they say to, to King David? When Saul was king, you were the one who led us out and in. 
And we even heard the prophecy of you, it was said, you will shepherd my people Israel. So these men were saying, it's not just what we feel. We're feeling something, yes. But we're also basing this commitment on a prophecy that you got, David. It is said of you, you will shepherd my people. If anything should convince you, brethren, if you were here last week, Lucy echoed and re-echoed, confirming a bunch of prophecies we received. If anything should say to you, wow, this is of the Lord, now I need to plug in. It should have been, it's, we have heard it being said. Prophetic destiny attendance. Come on, ask your neighbor, are you convinced? The reason why I'm saying all of this, listen, everyone say grace. I'm after grace. And what I'm contextualizing this grace uh, session now in is that there's a quantum of grace, a quality of grace, that's going to be attendant with father and son, but only when father and son are committed to purpose. Because part of why grace is given, grace is given to accomplish things, to get the job done. I work yet not I. I'm saying to all of us, come in, come in, come in. Come in closer to a relationship, which is not just loving, will care for you, will nurture you, but there's going to be destiny attached to this. You're going to accomplish and be partnering with the Lord to accomplish something so powerful in God. Hey? It's going to amaze you. One more text, 1 Chronicles 12, 21. Sorry, 1 Chronicles 12, verse 1. 1 Chronicles 12, verse 1. Do you know, okay, let me go there. There's so many verses here. The Bible says that this is the last part, they helped him in war. Not so. They came to David and they, they helped him in war. Do you know, by the way, I want to read, go back to 1 Chronicles 11.10, but Luke just put the King James Version. We read it in the NASB. They gave him strong support. Everyone say strong support. Okay, they gave him strong support. This is how it reads in the King James. Okay, this is New King James, but it's fine. Watch. These were the heads of the mighty men who David had, who strengthened themselves with him. You know, I like that. The other version says they just gave him strong support. But this version says, in, strength, in supporting David, they are strengthening themselves. How did they strengthen themselves? By giving David strong support. Hey, little do you know, you think it's a one-way street. You might sit there, complain, say, I'm giving, 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 supporting, supporting, supporting. It seems to be one way, and you might say it's only, but little do you know, that is the very medium by which you strengthen yourself in God. You give David strong, you strengthen yourself by giving David strong support. Okay, one last text, one last text. One last text. If I can find it in my notes. Okay, let me recount the incident with you. Trust me, it's in the Bible. <laughs> okay. I'll actually, when I email you these notes, I'll, I'll spell it out clearly. Here's the deal. Moses is leading Israel. He's counseling from morning till night. And he's wearing himself very thin. The, the, the mandate, the burden is becoming too much. Can somebody just peruse Numbers 11, find the text where it says, 
God says to Moses, take the 70 elders, let them stand where you stand at the tent of meeting. I will speak with you and take the spirit on you and transfer it to them. Okay? So, here's, here's the story. Jethro, his father-in-law, called him. He said, uh, Moses, Hosala, one side, bro. And he says this to him, like a father con- concerned for his son-in-law. He says, if you carry on like this, you're going to burn yourself out. You'll be destroyed. The people will be destroyed. So the advice of Jethro to him was, look out for 70 men that can help you with the task of counseling these hundreds and thousands of people. Some will be captains of a thousand, some of a hundred, some of a fifties, men of different varying grace configurations. Choose 70 elders. So God instructs Moses, choose 70 elders, men that you know to be elders. Is it? Yes, it. Verse 11 of Numbers, verse 16 of Numbers 11. The Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men, elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people, officers over them, and bring them where? Bring them to the? Now the tabernacle of meeting was only a place where Moses went. And God would talk to him. So what is God saying to Moses? Bring the 70. Now watch, 70 amongst the many meanings of 70 in the Bible, 70 depicts global mentality. God is saying, I don't want people here that think small. The 70 you choose must have a broad perspective of my purposes attendant with you. If you choose the wrong guy that thinks small, he's going to mess up the program. Right? There are 70 different ethnic groups globally. So 70 is the number of global mentality. Everyone say global. That's our mandate for this house, global. Right? I'm going to prophesy over our house again. Global people are going to waltz in and through the life of this church. You're going to see them come and go. And some of you are going to come and go to their context. And your ambit will be far and wide. Your experience. You know, traveling affords you the privilege of an enlarged mindset. Your mind just grows when you see more. Not so? And I want to encourage some of us. Don't think that your community is your world. I used to think Wentworth is my world. There's an experience beyond what you're currently. Everyone do this. Things are about to enlarge. Eh? But you see, things are about to enlarge. So watch, where must the 70 come? To the tent of meeting, not so? Watch, let them stand with you there. Now this is what the Lord spoke to me last night. I added the scripture in, watch. If the 70, watch, can stand where Moses stands, the 70 can get what Moses got. If you're not going to stand where Moses stands, you're not going to get what Moses got. Bring the 70 to the place where you stand at the tabernacle of meeting. Watch the next verse quickly. Watch the next verse. Then I will come down and I will do what? Do I talk with them? No, I talk with you, Moses. I talk with you. I will take the spirit that is on you and I will put the same on them. And they shall bear what? They carry the burden now of the people. Everyone say purpose. You see, God is saying to Moses, bring the 70 into a closer father-son relationship with you. It's not just Joshua. Joshua alone will not help this magnanimous task. I need a group of 70 others. And I'm saying to this house, the caliber of sonship we seek cannot just be present in one or two now. The burden is too great to bear and it must be borne by a 70 company. So ask your neighbor, will you come stand? 
Okay? If you stand where Moses can stand, you can get what Moses got. God said, I take the spirit on you, Moses, and I make 70 other more Moseses. Watch. The 70, he said, are going to function according to the same frequency that you are hitting, Moses. They hit the same frequency that you are hitting because the spirit on you is now on them. Yeah? The spirit on you is now on, on them. Somebody came in Trinidad, a friend of Salvin Bukhari, came at the last meeting of a pastor in Trinidad, and we got to speak with him. Young, young uh, pastor. And he said, hey, when I, thought, when I came in, I thought Thamonaidu is here until I saw you. What does that say? You see, you don't, the spirit on your father, now I don't sound like Thamon, maybe I speak like him in some respects, okay? But he wasn't talking about that, he was talking about the spirit, the frequency of what was transmitted. Now, how did I come into that? I simply follow closely. That's all I do. There's no big secrets. If you simply follow and stand where he stands. What was God saying to the 70? I won't speak with them. I speak with you, Moses. But as I speak with you, if the 70 can view my speaking with you, they get what you got. All I'm saying to you, you view how God speaks with me. How do you do that? You do it by listening to the word of the Lord. You know, when you listen to content, you don't only listen to content, but if you listen carefully, you can pitch into how is God communicating with Randolph. And if you can see that, if you can pitch into the diligence, how I position myself in study, you don't have to be physically in my office to stand where I'm standing to see God speak with me. If you can pitch into God is talking to this man. This ascent, whatever he got, I can get. But you have to stand where he stands. God said to me very clearly, Randolph, if you can stand where your spiritual father stands, whatever spirit is on him, I will give to you. Amen? Follow closely. Tell your neighbor, follow closely. And they strengthened themselves by strengthening David. Bone of bone, flesh of flesh. Everyone say purpose. purpose. Amen. Stand with me quickly. Lift your hands to the Lord. I know it's a cold, wet day, but don't let the weather outside configure the content of your spirit. Amen. Your spirit is vibrant before the Lord. It's open to receive what God has in store. You see, I've been praying, and the Lord said to me, Randolph, if you get your people, this is the motivation for today's study. The Lord said this to me, if you can get your people to understand your purpose, I can release more grace. Because God is saying, I'm not, not going to just release grace for releasing grace's sake. Then grace would be in vain if they're not going to assimilate that and explore that to do something significant in the earth. Yes. And I want to encourage us. Many of us are going to be involved with the expression of the purposes of Christ here in very, very significant ways. Watch and see the next few months and years. Grace is about to be spread to people everywhere. My greatest passion is to do the will of the Father. Nothing more and nothing less. Amen. So I want, us to, I want to encourage you, walk up the mountain. Let me sacrifice your flesh. Die unto your own desire, ambition. 
Say, God, your purpose and nothing more, nothing less. David's mighty men are a good case study. Men who gave him strong support in his kingdom. They said, we've studied you. We know your track record. Our commitment is not a yesterday decision. We've walked you. Some of you have walked with us a while, Renee and I. So you more than anyone should be more convinced. Eh? The fact that you are here means you believe that your coming here is not just for your own spiritual welfare. Yes, that is true. We'll build you up in the spirit. But I'm asking everyone, now when you come, you say, Lord, we, we're waiting to see how your purposes are going to play themselves out in and through this congregation toward the nations of the earth. Amen. That's our cry. That's our real ardent passion before the Lord. Amen. So let's pray before the Lord. Amen. Our Father, our greatest desire is to do your will. Nothing more and nothing less. We pray for our corporate community. I ask that the level of understanding would deepen. Help us to see beyond seeing. We do hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Last week you said to us, do not fear, little flock. Do not fear even in your smallness. For it is my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We receive kingdom mandate to steward your purposes even now, Father. We will not fear the future. We banish fear from this house. But with faith and absolute vigor, we will accomplish the purposes of the Lord. Father, we are now more ready than we have ever have been before to fulfill your purposes. More ready now than at any other time. Our greatest delight is to do your will. Nothing more matters to us. I pray for every family, every individual, every husband, wife, every child in every home, every youth, adolescent, every young child, every baby. I pray for the entirety of every household. Everyone would be strong in the Lord. I pray great grace will be infused to every single life. I pray we'll be strong mentally, robust in our, the fabric of our spirit, tenacious, not giving up, not giving in. I bless everyone today with the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and brings no sorrow with it. I bless you on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the sevenfold Spirit of Christ. I bless you on behalf of the Lord. I pray that vision and sight and understanding would come to your mindset as to what you have committed to. Thank you, Father, for grace. Come on, lift your hands, everyone. I'm going to pray an impartation of grace. Father, you see our commitment to your purposes. It's not just grace for its own sake we desire. But like Paul said, I work, yet not I, but grace that is with me. Father, we want to work, yet not us, but your grace. Your grace working in and through our lives. So give grace. Give more grace to this corporate community. Even now, I pray, open the heavens. Open the heavens. Crack the heavens, Father. Split the heavens. Transfer, even now, quantum and a quality of grace that will be the spur, that will give us momentum, that will push us vociferously, undeterred to our next level in you. To do your will is our greatest desire. We do love you, Father. We really do. We love you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. I declare there's no weakness among us today. I declare everyone is strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. 
I declare, you promised us last week we're going to burst the banks. That Gate Ministries Durban Central, this is the season for an abundant prosperity at every single level. Even financially, relationally, maritally, in your job, in your workplace, in your business. I declare that you are blessed of the Lord. I pulled down that prophecy. I, I, I enacted by my utterance, apostolically decree, it shall be done in your life. I declare your children are blessed in the Lord. Everything about you will be prepared to do the Lord's purposes in the earth. I declare the peace of God over those whose minds are perplexed by various problems. I speak peace to your mind, even in the name of the Lord. For those not sleeping over certain issues, I pray you will have a good night's sleep from this time onward. Peace, tranquility, the rest, the strength, and the repose of the Lord will be your portion in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.